0: Monday, June 20th. Welcome to the State of the Division podcast. This is the AL East. That's Sam Lucchini. I'm Peter Apple. But first, let's wish all the fathers a happy Father's Day out there. We are currently recording on Father's Day, and I also want to shout out all the moms doing the job of the father on this Father's Day. So wishing you guys all the best, sending all the love possible. But we're talking the AL East. Sam, we got a lot of teams to talk about, but then again... We are Yankee fans, but we try and keep the Yankee bias out of it, of course. But sometimes it's hard to when they are clearly the best team in baseball. And that's not a joke as a Yankee fan. That's just the reality of the fact of the situation. They are 49-16. and They're currently playing the Blue Jays right now. You're wearing a Yankee hat. You must be over the moon right now.
1: I feel incredible, and I know you do too. And I just talked about a pre-show with you. At this point, it's kind of like more likely that your house catches on fire than they lose game. With me saying that at this point, they probably will lose this game just because I'm out here jinxing it. So, But yeah, it's incredible. They're the best team in baseball by a country mile. I think it's what, like a six-game differential between us and the Mets. So they're very fun right now. And like you said before pre-show, this is the best Yankees team we've probably ever seen in our lifetime, Peter.
0: Because I'm 24. You're how old? 22? 22. 22 you know give us some credit we haven't been alive that long we were very young during the 90s and of course we th- saw them in 2009 take home a championship but currently right now it's hard not to say that they're the this is the best product that we've ever seen considering through this amount of games around what is it about 65 games they have the fifth best record since 1901 of all time through the first 65 games but the great thing about the al east is it's not just the Yankees we have three other teams that are going to be in the playoff hunt, as well as the Orioles who aren't as bad as a lot of people thought they would. And the Orioles are in the toughest division in baseball and they're still doing just fine. So let's start with the new york yankees i know we kind of gave them a lot of hype going into it but they are 49 and 16. they are 12 games above the toronto blue jays in second place they have a plus 144 run differential which is by far the best in baseball of almost 30 runs more than the los angeles dodgers and they have won nine out of their last ten or just nine in a row Give us a little bit of a preview. Who's been the best of the week? Who's been the worst of the week? Because right now they're playing the Blue Jays. They swept the Rays. And this was supposed to be their prove it stretch, right? I think they're proving it pretty well.
1: Yeah, so we've kind of been told the entire season that the Yankees have to play a good team. We played the Orioles 13 times. you got to play the rest of the division, that kind of stuff. We've only seen the Red Sox three times. It was the first series at the beginning of the season. So, And now we're on this little tough stretch. With Tampa Bay, it's like... How great is Tampa Bay now? And we'll get into them later, but we ended up sweeping Tampa Bay. Took two out of three from Toronto. They're obviously playing right now, and we still won that series. But listen, Pete, at the beginning of the year, there was one guy that was electric for this team outside of Aaron Judge, and his name is Anthony Rizzo. This week as well was incredible. Put up a 282 WRC+. plus. Hit the walk farmer for run on Thursday against Tampa Bay, which was electric. I didn't think we were going to win that game. Mm-hmm. But shout-out to Anthony Rizzo for making it happen on Thursday night. And he's been electric this week. And, you know, my love for Luke Voigt is now slowly starting to go away as he's now in San Diego. But Anthony Rizzo is the real deal. And there's one other guy that I do want to shout out. And if you guys are familiar with my content, you know I hate this guy. I absolutely hate this guy. I hated him when he came over. But now he's here and he's kind of mashed a little bit. Joey Gallo had a 130 WRC plus last week. So he started to get hot and he started to crush the ball a little bit, Peter.
0: He's starting to play a little bit well. The problem is there are so many at-bats where he just looks lost up there, but then you see a ball gets left over the plate and he crushes it 460 feet. That's the allure of Joey Gallo. And, of course, my thing also with Joey Gallo is, I mean, we watch Yankee baseball every day. He's not the fielder I think he was advertised as. I mean, right now he's ranking the ninth percentile of outs above average. This is not the – Perennial gold glove caliber, amazing fielder that was promised. But I do think that he's going to improve. And I just, not only on defense, but on offense too, I think he's finally settling in. It'll just be interesting to see if he's on this team come the deadline because we could see some weird moves. Maybe he just needs a change of scenery. A player I really want to shout out is Jamison Tyone because. You know, a lot of people in the Yankees rotation get a lot of love, and for good reason. I mean, Garrett Cole, say what you want, but he's still electric. He's still Garrett Cole. Nestor Cortez deserves all the love and attention in the world because he has an ERA under two, and he's just straight up electric, and he might start the All-Star game as a starting pitcher. Probably not, but has a shot. Um you know, Seve's been great. It's clear. And Monty's always been solid. But this guy, Jamison Tyone, has got the second best ERA in the Yankees at 2.70 of the starting pitchers. He has been phenomenal this year with his command. His velo looks great. He just looks poised on the mound. This is the best Jamison Tyone product that he may have, that he may deliver in his entire career because he's always been a good pitcher with the Pirates, then came over to the Yankees. We're seeing Roosney Contreras. He's the guy who we traded over and Kanan Smith Ajigba also on the Pirates. But Jameson Tyon, at least that deal, it seemed like the Pirates might've won it in the beginning, but now Jameson Town is proving he really is that dude on the mound.
1: It is the magic of Matt Blake, isn't it? We've seen so many guys come over to this rotation and even the bullpen and have had massive success after working with Matt Blake. We already talked about Nestor, like you said. Montgomery's always been a solid starting pitcher, but Jamison Tyone has come over, been probably the most consistent starter we've had, hasn't really had a huge blow up. He had the perfect game bid just a couple weeks ago. So he has been incredible this season and it is such a testament to how great Matt Blake is at his job. He's done a fantastic job with that staff and the rotation or the relievers. Um, one guy that I do want to shout out though, hasn't gotten a ton of run this year, but when his name has been called, he's been incredible and it's not Clay Holmes. It's not the reliever you think I'm going to talk about. It's Wandy Peralta who throws that change up 60% of the time. It's insane how much he throws that change up, but Wednesday night against Tampa Bay, we had the McClanahan-Cortez matchup, the all-star starter thing, right? Nestor ends up winning that match. McClanahan gets beat up just a little bit. But after Nestor comes out of the game, first and second base, Wandy comes in, no outs, right? Wandy gets out of the situation, throws an inning in two-thirds, gets us out, right? Same thing the night before. He got us out of the situation the night before. So that is another guy that you call his name, Call his number, and he's going to get the job done. So, Lonnie Peralta, 1.50 area this year. Not a ton of appearances, but he's also been great this year. So, the bullpen's been great. Rotation's been awesome. And the pitching is really what's holding this team down right now.
0: And to wrap on the Yankees, we have to give a lot of credit to Matt Blake. It's clear. Absolutely, but I want to give a lot of credit to Jose Trevino as well, the way he's been able to control and command this rotation and the bullpen as well. We went from Gary Sanchez, who is clearly one of the worst defenders at catcher. That's why he's DHing a ton for the Twins, to one of the best defensive catchers in the bigs. I mean, with his framing ability, his ability to block the ball, he doesn't have the greatest arm in the world. But if that's the small weakness, when he still has a good arm, I'll take it. He has been great behind the plate. And on offense, guy hitting almost 300. He's got an F-4 near Alejandro Kirk. This has been one of the better catchers in the American League, not just a good addition for the Yankees coming over from the Texas Rangers this offseason. So let's talk about those Blue Jays because they are currently facing the Yankees. They haven't had much success off the Yankees, not this season and not lately in general. Toronto Blue Jays are 37-28. and 28. As we are recording, they have a plus 23 run differential, and they have only won four out of their last 10 games. We're seeing Vladimir Gro Jr. start to heat up. He just had a home run against the Yankees. We're seeing Bo Bichette's bat start to heat up. Teoscar Hernandez as well. But we were talking pre-record as well. You have problems with their starting rotation. I do. I have a
1: ton of problems with their starting rotation. And listen, at the beginning of the year, Kevin Gaussman was my favorite pitcher to watch in all of baseball, because that splitter is disgusting when disgusting. he's off.
0: And However, Unbelievable. This guy didn't gave walk up anybody.
1: No. This guy gave up five run runs against Baltimore this week. The rest of the Blue Jays rotation this week. Kikuchi gave up four runs in a start earlier this week. You're kind of pitching well right now against the Yankees, which is odd. But then Manila got shelled yesterday against the Yankees. But it's the Yankees offense, so you know how that is. Rios, I talked about Barrios last week, and he was incredible his previous two starts. But he also gave up four runs this week. So I don't have a singular pitcher from this staff right now, Peter, that I can sit here and say this guy's going to come out and shove because I told Colby, I was on this show at the beginning of the season, that I would not let go of this Blue Jays team. I was like, coming into the season, I was just so obsessed with them. I thought they were going to take this division by a mile. Obviously, outside of what the Yankees are doing because they've been crazy. And I still said that this Blue Jays team is going to be the second place team. But right now, Pete, I don't know what starter. I can sit there and say, yeah, this is the guy. I think Minot is going to come back and shove, and I think Gaul's will going to get back on track. But outside of that, now with Ryu down for the rest of the season, no, like, Kikuchi, what are we going to expect from Kikuchi? Like, and Barrios, I don't know. I don't know so what to get from this guy. This, um,
0: this, is the team that, this is the team that needs to deal for a starter at the deadline. They yes, should be calling up the Oakland A's and say, how do we get Frankie Montas? They should be calling up the Cincinnati Reds and saying, how do we get Luis Castillo? Or Tyler Malley, they should be calling up the Arizona Dimebacks. How can we get Merrill Kelly? How can we possibly get Zach Allen? Probably not. But how could we? They right. need to be on the forefront of this because that is their glaring weakness. What if I told you, Sam, that 65 games in, if I told you at the beginning of the season with our concerns about the Red Sox pitching, not only in the starting rotation without Chris Sale, but also in the bullpen, right, with Garrett Whitlock moving to the starting rotation, what are they going to do in the bullpen? The Blue Jays have allowed more runs this season than the Boston Red Sox. That's just a fact. I did not expect that. No, not at all. Not at um, all. That's I'm how bad sorry. The, that's how bad the Blue Jays pitching has been. And yeah. I think I've heard Kevin Gosman is tipping pitches. Mm. That's what I've heard. Mm. Players can, they're seeing what's coming right now. And Kevin Gosman is also a player who with the Giants last year had this amazing first half, looked like the best pitcher in baseball, then fell off a cliff in the second half. He has yet to put together two incredible halves is that half starting sooner is he just tipping pitches right now is it something else that we haven't mentioned we aren't totally sure but Kevin Gosman has not looked like the Kevin Gosman that he was earlier in the year he just says not
1: even close and it sucks to see because he was so fun to watch at the beginning of the year um one thing I do want to tap on before we move on to the next team Vladimir Greer Jr. is starting to get hot yeah. Which is great for the Toronto Blue Jays. So, beginning of the season, we saw the three homer game against the Yankees earlier in the year, and that was electric. That was the one where the ball went off Aaron Hicks' glove, and that was fun. But after that, we haven't really seen this brilliance that we saw from him last season, right? Like top five player in all the baseball, kind of thing it was really only hovering around a 130 wRC plus last year. He's starting to heat up. He he's this today he hit his third bomb of the week, which is crazy. So that's good for them. Like you mentioned with Bichette, he's finally starting to get hot. At this point, I think that this offense has to carry them more than the starting pitching does, because I don't know what guy I can rely on, like I said earlier. So there's just a lot of concerns with them right now.
0: There's a lot of concerns with them, but there are plenty of positives as well. We were just bagging on them a little bit because of all the expectations the Blue Jays had going into this year. So I think it's warranted, at least right now. And I think even Blue Jays fans would appreciate that because they know they're turning on the TV and they're seeing this pitching and they're thinking to themselves, well, we could score eight, but we got to limit them to seven in order to win it. And we just aren't doing that right now. But the Blue Jays still, like I said, have a ton of positives. Alejandro Kirk. Looks like the best catcher in the American League. Gabriel Moreno, their top prospect has come up and has looked pretty solid. But the early results from Gabriel Moreno are not to be really analyzed because we know he's going to be a tippity-top prospect and potentially himself be one of the better catchers in the American League very soon. But like I said, Teoscar is getting going. Santiago Espinal is really the best utility player in baseball right now. I mean, I can't, yeah. I can't, what else am I supposed to say? He's played six games at second, eight or sorry, six games at second. Like I said, a bunch of games at short um, actually, excuse me, I'm, I'm reading something else, but all I know is he's played a bunch of second. He's played a bunch of short. He's played some third. I've seen him in right field too. Santiago Espinal is just playing all over the diamond and Lourdes Gurriel jr. Who is a notorious slow starter. We even talked about him on not gambling advice as a fantasy player to pick up. He's starting to really pick up like he normally does. So the offense is starting to get real scary. So as the pitching starts to falter slightly, the offense is getting to the point where they might have one of the best lineups in the sport outside Mm -hmm. of the New York Yankees.
1: That's why that's so scary, and that's what I was saying at the beginning of the season. I was like, how are you going to bet against these guys? I think they opened with, like, the third or fourth, like, highest odds to win the World Series this year. Because you, what are you going to bet against that offense with? And going back to Espinal, man, espinal has been so huge for them because it kind of brought them out of that, like, Kevin Vigio hole that they had. Like, they didn't really know what to do with him. But now at this point, he's, like, a utility guy maybe filling, like two or three times a week, but espinal has been huge for them. He's been able to fill in at second base, which is awesome. And this offense is great. So I hope that they can mash because I like watching them hit and they're a fun team to play when they're not playing our Yankees. Um, so yeah, I hope the best for them for the rest of the year. And I really hope they finish second in this division because I need my prediction to go right. So.
0: Agreed. And it's just funny when you, when you look at the blue Jays compared to the rest of the league, they have a plus 23 run differential. That's slightly better than our third place Tampa Bay Rays that we'll talk about in a second. But, you know, it's less than the Twins. It's less than even the Cleveland Guardians. And if we look into the National League, um, a plus 23 run differential, that would put them below, like, the Giants, Padres, Dodgers. It would put them below the Cardinals, but above the Brewers, you know, it would be below the Phillies, below the Braves, clearly below the Mets, and just above the Marlins. So that's where they're at, at least by a run differential, Part, which is you know how many runs scored you have versus yeah. how many runs you've allowed it's a good gauge to kind of see where you're at um, but let's move on to the Tampa Bay Rays who have a plus 18 run draft differential so it gets a little bit worse but they're a team that can win so many one run games that they don't really seem to care. Tampa Bay Rays like I said are 36 and 29 they're 13 games back of the Yankees for first place only one game back of the Blue Jays and that could change today as the Blue Jays are facing the New York Yankees. Um, like I said, they they won their last game, but they're four and six in their last 10. And if we're talking about a team that's a polar opposite of each other on one side of the ball, that's the Tampa Bay Rays. Man can they pitch. They're 3rd in ERA, they're 4th in hits allowed, they're 4th in walks allowed, they're 3rd in WHIP as a starting rotation and they're 5th in ERA in the bullpen and 7th in WHIP, but on offense they're 25th. They rank 25th in batting average, 26th in OPS and 21st in home runs. This team does run a ton, they're 4th in stolen bases, but you know, when even when you go on the FanGraphs roster resource, they only have four starting pitchers listed and they've been relying on this bullpen a lot and it's a lot of great names. But how much longer will it last? Who are the guys that stood out on the Rays this week?
1: Um so they just recently got Shane Bos back this week and his one start this week they did lose one nothing to the Baltimore Orioles, but he did shove 6 innings pitched. Uh, seven strikeouts, two hits, uh, no walks at all. So Boz is back for them, which is a nice, you know, it's a great starting rotation piece. I know you guys have talked about it a lot on the Just Baseball Show with Shane Boz, and obviously McClanahan's going to bounce back. He had the rough start this week against the Yankees, but you know he's going to come out and shove. And I cannot believe that for the third week in a row I'm talking about this guy because Yankee great G-Man Choi just, like, won't stop hitting for some reason. It's, like, the oddest thing of all time. I look at this Rays lineup – and this is the last guy that I would expect to be talking about on, like, a week-in-a-week-out basis. But he hit a 200 WRC plus last week, Beat Like, he hit 375. I don't know. And I said it last week, too. How much longer are we going to sit here and say, yeah, G-Man Choi breaks. Like, G-Man Choi is that guy in a 10 race. It's so weird to say. Like, that rolling off the tongue is so weird. So, But G-Man Choi was good last week. They got Boz back but their offense just falters and it's so like disappointing to watch them sometimes because they're just not the same team that they've been for the past couple of years. Like, I just don't know where to go with them. In all honesty.
0: They're a very hard team to analyze because their numbers just sometimes don't make any sense. Like they have G-Man Troy, I think is the only hitter on their team with an OPS over 800 but a lot of these guys, they just find ways to win. And that's a lot of the credit to their bullpen. You know, guys like Brooks Whaley, Matt Whistler, who throws 93% sliders. He's incredible. Jalen Beeks is a guy who's been an opener for them. Ryan Thompson, of course, is always good. You know, Colin Posh, the, 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 Jason Adam, who is like one of the more underrated relievers in the entire sport. They just have so many guys that you've never heard of. And of course, Brandon Lau being still injured with a stretch re- stress reaction his lower back, you know, Wander Franco still being out with that strained quad, you know, Mike Zunino being out definitely doesn't help either with, with shoulder inflammation, you know, Drew Rasmussen has a strained hamstring. There's just Pete, you know, Luis Patino is still on the shelf with the oblique, you know, JP fire eyes and still on the shelf, Nick Anderson, Pete Fairbanks, Kittredge is now out for the year. They have so many guys injured, but a team like the Rays, when you look at such a gutted roster, you'd expect them to be worse. But sitting around 500, they're just still staying in there. They're probably going to make another move at the deadline. This is just a team I'm never going to count out regardless because I see the way that they're playing. They're suffering right now, but they almost have half their roster available. So we got to give them a little bit of slack because this team is better than what they've been showing lately.
1: I don't know, dude. Maybe they pull that Nelson Cruz trade from the Nationals again this year. That would be Might. fun to see.
0: I'm going to be honest. That would And be it's cool. funny. Remember the that Nelson Cruz trade? You know who they gave up in that trade? No, who did they get? I completely forget. Joe Ryan, who went to the Minnesota oh, Twins. Oh, yeah. Maybe they shoves? don't want to do that. Who maybe shoves? He shoves. Oh, so maybe dude. they don't want to do that. Or, you know, yeah. I mean, of course, with the Rays, you can't look at one deal and say maybe they don't right. want to do that anymore. But maybe they'd be less inclined to trade a young starting pitcher with all this talent for an aging 40 year old dh yeah
1: just... and he if i'm not mistaken he hasn't been incredible this year right like he, he's kind of falling off he's getting that, better he? he's getting better yeah, he's with getting the Nats. okay yeah, he's, yeah.
0: Hit, he's hit much better lately um okay. so anything else on the Rays before we move on to the boston red sox
1: yeah i mean the only thing that i have on the Rays is Lau and franco are uh like ramping up their rehabs which is good so they'll be back soon but uh, i do want to ask you before we move on to the red sox if you right now at the end of the season like who is going to be the better team at the end of the year? Do you think it's going
0: to be Toronto or do you think it's going to be Tampa? See, I still think I, I think Tampa is going to win the world series or not win the world series, but oh. face the Dodgers in the world series. That was my preseason really? pick. That was my preseason pick. I had Dodgers raise. Now nah, the Yankees look like they're going to make it there. We'll see though. Anything good, can man. happen. Anything can happen. Of course. But my thinking here with the Rays is I think they're going to get healthier. And I still think that they're going to be there at the end. Well, the blue Jays, you know, the Rays have continued to prove that they're going to be there at the end. The Blue Jays haven't proved it yet. So for me, I'm sticking with the Rays until the Blue Jays prove it. And I think that's Yeah, there. I like it because of the pitching.
1: That's like kind of the bottom line. If you're, like, you're in playoff series, you got to take Tampa, right? Because they can pitch, Toronto can hit, but realistically, pitching is going to win you a playoff series instead of your potent offense. We've seen
0: that with the Yankees so many times, right? And so we... I'm with you. And we talk about how bad this Rays offense is, right? They're so, so bad. You know, they've scored the least amount of runs in the American League East, even less than the Orioles. But it's not like they're a far cry off the Blue Jays. They've scored 25 less runs than the Blue Jays. And they're not healthy. And they're not they're healthy. They don't wander RUV. or lao. They're
1: two best bats in wander and lao. So and
0: Mike Zunino gives them a bad. ton of power in the lineup too, whether he's yeah, actually he good or not, he at least gives them power.
1: And he started slow this year, Pete, with Zunino, but I think he's going to come back and he'll get hot at some point. You know what I mean? You know he's going to mash. So, yeah, I'm with you right there with the race thing. I think that is probably the second place team. However, I do have a little bit of a stretch on the Red Sox, which we're going to move to. So let's talk about them.
0: Let's talk Red Sox. The Red Sox are currently 35 and 31. They are 14 and a half back from the Yankees, but they're only two and a half back from the Blue Jays. Um, they have a plus 45 run differential. So if you're just looking at run differential, they're the second best team in the, in this division. And they just lost, but they've won six out of their last 10 games. And the big thing about the Red Sox, I think, is that their starting pitching just has been better in general. We've seen Nick Pavetta take a huge leap from his early struggles in the season so far, we're seeing a guy like Chris Sale start to get closer and closer to returning, but also Garrett Whitlock continues to put in just good start after good start. But unfortunately now he's now dealing with hip inflammation. So that's something that the Red Sox will have to monitor. And now when we look at the Red Sox rotation, you know, it's Nick Pavetta, Josh Winkowski, Rich Hill, and Michael Walker, Michael Walker just continues to impress and Rich Hill is a bit inconsistent, but the pitching hasn't been you know, that bad where it's killing them. They're 15th in ERA as in the bullpen and they're sixth in ERA as a staff, which is crazy to me, but still, I think the story of the Red Sox has to be the offense. It's funny. Jaron Duran deserves a lot more run than he's been getting. He continually bounces up between AAA and the bigs. He leads off for him. You know, I think he's ready now and we see Rafael Devers still being one of the best left-handed hitters in the entire sport JD Martinez might win a batting title and Xander Bogarts just can't be stopped that's the key but we've seen Trevor Story and Alex Verdugo start to play better now I said at the beginning of the season you just can't count the Red Sox out you just can't do it they are too good of a team they're too well run their manager Alex Cora is one of the best managers in the sport they're gonna figure it out and they're finally starting to do so plus 45 run differential 65 games in By that stat that the second best team in the AL East, this is just such a loaded division and the Red Sox are starting to get hot. That is not a good sign for the rest of baseball.
1: We all knew that they could hit, and we've been saying this for such a long time after that slow start. You know what I mean? Obviously, we enjoyed it because it was fun for us because we don't like the Red Sox, but deep down, we all know that they can mash. And they mashed last year, and they've been mashing all year this year. Like you said, we're starting to see Story get a little bit hotter not great, but he's starting to get a little bit hotter. And that trio of JD, Bogarts, and Devers they just straight flat out rake like Devers is handing in an MVP campaign at this point. He's been incredible. Uh, Bogarts is gearing up for his move to Los Angeles, to my angels, which is fun. Um, and JD just mashes. So with this Red Sox team, Pete, I'm going to go on record right now. And given how the division is panning out right now, I think what's Toronto at 37, 37 wins, it's 37 place, and right? 28, right? Okay, They're so, playing
0: the Yankees right now. So it might be right. 37 and 29 or 38 and 28. We'll see. But right now as we're recording, yeah.
1: All right, well, it's 3-2 to Yankees right now because Josh Donaldson pissed on a ball, so I'm going to go with they lose that game. So my thinking right here with D.A. Elise is I think the Boston Red Sox are the second-place team in this division. I just think that this offense is too electric, and Mm -hmm. what we've seen out of this – starting rotation has been great and this is another team that I think Pete can go out and get a starter at the deadline I think they could add to their they could add to the rotation they could add to the bullpen because that's another area that they definitely need to add in with that bullpen so I think the Boston Red Sox are going to end up being the second place team in this division and I don't think like I just I don't think that Tampa or Toronto is better than this team right now I just I don't
0: think it I think that's totally fair I think that's totally fair with what you're saying because when we're talking about a playoff series I mean, the Red Sox can bang with the Blue Jays, at least yeah. on offense. Like that's, there's no Perfect. doubt there, but when we're going into a playoff series and we have Chris sale, Garrett Whitlock and, you know, Nate Ivaldi, who's dealing with some lower back inflammation and Nick Pavetta. I mean, this rotation can compete with the Blue Jays rotation. And if we're looking at bullpens, at least if we're just looking at performance so far, they're not that far off from each other. So that take, I, I, I don't hate that take at all. And they're so close anyway. I mean, and you know that the Red Sox are going to make some moves at the deadline too. So it's funny, right now, if we're looking at just percentages of these teams to make the division, according to Fangraphs, the Yankees have a well, 100% chance of making the playoffs and a 94.5% chance of winning the division. Blue Jays are at 4.8, Rays 0.3, Red Sox 0.4% chance to win the division. And in, just in making the playoffs, Blue Jays are at 95%, Rays are at 60, Red Sox are at 57%. So according to Fangraphs. They think that all four of these teams are going to make the playoffs. It's just a matter of what order they're going to be in because they're all phenomenal. Right, and we talked about it last week. I do think all four teams make these playoffs. All,
1: all four of these teams are too talented enough. And don't get me wrong. We've been banging on Tampa Bay and Toronto today, but, dude, they're still really good baseball teams. Like, really they will good. make the playoffs. Yeah, like really And good it's, baseball teams. it's just a testament to how competitive this division is. And it sucks yeah. to say, but, like, if you put – one of those teams in like the AL Central, how good are they going to be? You know what I mean? Because the AL Central stinks. Like put them in the AL Central. How is Toronto going to be in the NL Central, right? So it's so tough to talk about this division like that just because it's so ultra competitive and it's fun. That's the bottom line is it's so fun to watch these guys week in and week out because like we're seeing the stretch that the Yankees have right now, which is like they're going on a crazy run. The Orioles are like going through an AL East gauntlet right now, which kind of stinks for them, but you know, everybody's having fun. Um, But yeah, I just, I think Boston's a second place team. I just think that they will continue to get better. And another thing that I do want to tap on is what do you think we're going to get out of Chris Sale? Because Chris Sale last year wasn't incredible um i've seen coming back off of injury again do you think he's going to come back and be able to be that ace guy again you think he's gonna be a two three guy because like I michael walk has been incredible so he might be the ace for the rest of the season for this red sox team i don't know
0: if michael walker will truly <laughs> be, but then again they have nate Ivaldi, they have nick pavetta yeah. like they don't need that true true ace but i think chris sale will come back and be chris sale again i'm just never going to count him out right never right. going to count him out it's also a rib thing not too worried it's not like he's yeah. dealing with you know, forearm, and we got to we gotta be careful of TJ or anything like that. It's one of those type of, types of things. I'm not that worried. I really am not, especially with a guy like Chris Sale, kind of similar to Max Scherzer in that yeah. way, like not even close to, you know, afraid of what's going to happen to Scherzer when he comes back for the Mets. Like these guys are just built different, and right. they're, they're going to perform, and they're also not going to come back. You know, too much ahead of time. You know, they're older guys. You know, they know their bodies well. They're going to come back when they feel ready and then they're just going to roll. One last thing on the Red Sox before I want to wrap up. I talked about Lordy Scurriel being a huge second half performer. The Red Sox have one, and that's Kike Hernandez. Kike Hernandez is a big second half performer. He's still on the 60 day DL right now or 60 day IL, excuse me. Still used to the designated <laughs> list, the injured list, though. Um, he's still on the IL. But when he comes back, I'm predicting he has a big second half. And that's just not, you know, me just pulling that out of my ass. It's because he's had a big second half year over year over year, especially with the Red Sox last year. So I think he's going to have a big second half. But let's move on because we do have to talk about the blue about the Orioles. And, you know, it's not that we have to. I mean, we do have to. But that's not what I mean when I say I want to talk about the Orioles, because they have been better than I think a lot of people would say. Like the Orioles are not nearly as bad as some of the other teams. I mean, they have a 29 and 38 record. So do the Seattle Mariners. So like I said, Orioles are 28, 29 and 38. They have a negative 40 run differential, which is not ideal. But the White Sox have a negative 38 run differential. So it hasn't been that bad, like I said. And they've won six out of their last. Four games. I want to shout out a couple of bats that I've just been loving this season. Austin Hayes is a phenomenal bat for them. Ryan Mountcastle is one of the hottest hitters on the planet. Trey Mancini continues to hit. Cedric Mullins is finally starting to get hot too. And that's the story this year. You know, I mean, the story of the Orioles has really been their bullpen. They have so many good arms in there and they're going to get a ton at the trade deadline for them. This bullpen ranks sixth in ERA and ninth in walks per nine. And, and, uh, fifth in home runs per night wow I just can't believe some of these stats for the Orioles pen but while the offense ranks 24th in OPS I think this is a better offense than maybe what the numbers might have shown so far and they've gotten at least solid performances again from guys like Tyler Wells again from guys like Jordan Lyles even Dean Kramer had a good start this week who who shot up this week from the Orioles that you noticed
1: Okay, so I do want to shout out Adley because Adley hit his first career major league home run this week against Toronto, which is awesome to see. But listen, man, these red-hot Orioles, man. Ryan Mountcastle, 279 WRC Plus last week, three bombs, seven RBIs. And this is a guy that also started slow this year, Um, and it's really at this point with Baltimore, Pete, it's like at the trade deadline, who's going to get nipped? Because I just feel like there's so many pieces – with this team and this youth movement that they're clearly trying to bring in, who is going to get that off? Like who, like is Cedric Mullen's going to go, is Hayes going to go? Like you just mentioned earlier, Malcastle is he going to get, I don't think they trade Malcastle. I think Malcastle a piece is going to be there for a while, but like Dylan Tate, I think could be like a Yankee by August mm-hmm. 1st. So like, <laughs> and, I just just, think there's...
0: and don't mean to go cut ahead. you off. Like it's not ahead, just dude. Dylan Tate. Felix Batista is a guy who's been awesome for them. Jorge Lopez, former starter turn closer has been great guys like Keegan Aiken, former starter turn reliever. He's been a big guy to come in after the starter and he's been dominant. There's just a lot of guys in their pen who are having great seasons for them. And I'm just excited to see what the Orioles can get because they still need prospects. They're still a couple of years away. Like Adley is not, You know, Adley's a great prospect. He's one of the best prospects in the entire sport, but we didn't expect him to to come up and lead this offense to, you know, a bunch of wins in a row. It's going to take time for these guys to develop. That's why I think Cedric Mullins might get dealt. I'm not exactly sure because the package is still going to be really expensive. And for his production this year, I think a lot of teams are going to be scared off and the Orioles are going to say, well, no worries. We still love him and love him for good reason because he's still a 30-30 threat and he's still a great defender there in center field. But the reason I said that is because Cedric Mullins is getting a bit older. You know, he's 27 years old. Is his window of success, you know, his prime window, which is right now, does that line up with the Orioles window? Not really. So that's why I was thinking this could be the biggest offseason that the deadline for them. They can cash in on all these great first half from these relievers and then also get an enormous package in from Cedric Mullins and really start from the ground up with some of these other guys who can really show something. Because Grayson Rodriguez, their best prospect, out for the year, most likely just doesn't seem like this is the year to really get going. That's why I thought Cedric Molden's trade would make sense. But then again, if they don't trade him, it's not a bad thing because he's awesome. And he gets to still stay on the Orioles.
1: Yeah, I think they have like a two year window, I think is when they can really start building out this team. You know what I mean? So like you said, I think this trade deadline, they are going to ship off a lot, which sucks for Orioles fans. But at the end of the day, we know, and at least I think that this team is going to be good in a couple of years, right? Like with all this young talent that they have, and if they can knit more prospects from these other teams for these bullpen pieces, like you mentioned for Cedric Mullins. So we will see, I think they have like a two-year window. And I think that there will be a point in time where, you know, maybe one of these teams falls out, one of these four gauntlets, you know, what I mean, that we have at the ALEs, maybe one of them will fall out. But there will be a point in time where the Orioles are a competitive baseball team, kind of like what we saw in 2014-2015 with them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you just kind of have to look towards the future with this Baltimore Orioles team. And they're fun. They're hot. They beat the Blue Jays 10-2. to So, there you go.
0: Yeah. it's not like, good. and it's not like the Orioles are just faltering off. They, you know, they they've won five out of their last 10 games. This team is still doing a pretty solid job at staying afloat, even in what should be a rebuilding year. So that'll do it for this episode of state of the division podcast. We just covered the AL East and we'll be back every single Monday to continue to do so. Keep you updated. Any notes that uh, you didn't get to get in the podcast yet about any of the players or teams before we say goodbye.
1: Yeah, um, Joey Gallo has a higher WRC plus than Trevor Story. So that's an interesting
0: fact of the day. Yankee fans, Red Sox fans, take that one to heart. Like I said, that'll do it for this episode of the State of Division. Stay tuned every day, six days a week, for your update on each division in baseball brought to you by the guys at Just Baseball Media. So with that, thank you, everybody.